If you'll turn with me in your Bibles this morning to Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 55, and we're going to read verses 10 through 12 of Isaiah 55. Isaiah 55, beginning with verse 10. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, and make it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please. And it shall prosper in the things for which I send it. For you shall go out with joy and be led out with peace. The mountains and the hills shall break forth into singing before you. And all the trees of the field shall clap their hands. May the Lord add a blessing to his reading this morning. Well, as you know... From the story, I'm old man Hamstra. <laughs> you know, it was uh, uh, last night I, I sent our, our speaker a little message saying, um, just a reminder, we start at 9 o'clock. And he sent me back, what? Are you crazy? <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and then uh, he says, well, what time does the sermon end? I'll be there 15 minutes before it ends. So you know it's going to be a short sermon, right? Well, I told him the sermon ends at 9.15. That way he'd be here at 9. So, and he was. <laughs> but uh, most of you, uh, or a number of you anyway, uh, know my middle son, Jason. Um, he may give you a little more information when he comes up here. Uh, he's been here before. Some of you uh, have not met him before, but he's going to bring us the message this morning. Good morning, everyone. It's always good to be in Monroe. It's, uh, it's definitely my home church, will always be my home church as I was sitting up here. You know, I, I can remember building, being part of building this structure, right, that you know, at first we worshiped over there and then we added on here. And I can actually remember, I have a very distinct memory of being in this sanctuary when it was just cement floor and, you know, studded walls and rafters. And one of the, there were several jobs that church members did to kind of pitch in, right, to lower the cost. And one of the jobs that uh, I and my brothers did was to put the insulation in here. So we insulated the walls and we insulated the ceiling. And I can remember hanging from underneath the rafters to staple the, the insulation on, onto the rafters, right? So my brothers and I, actually I think Chris and I, I don't think Brent would have ever gotten up there. But Chris and I, my little brother and I, were up there doing that, and now when I sit back and look at how high that is, I am like, that is crazy. I cannot believe that we were up there doing that. So. Yeah, exactly. I wouldn't let my own kids do that today, so I don't know what's wrong with you, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, it's, it's, again, it's, it's, it's a pleasure to be here. It's, it's, it's definitely home. One, one thing Dad 
always forgets when he's doing my introduction is that I'm the favorite son. I asked him out there if, I, if he wanted me to do the introduction because he tends to forget that part, but um, we'll get started today. Let's just bow our heads really quick for a word of prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for being with us today, and as we prayed earlier, we ask that you open our hearts and our minds so that we receive something of, of hopefully what you're trying to tell us. You know, um, remove our will from our hearts and minds and replace it with your will. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So to give you a little background on, well, first of all, I should say, um, I'm sorry that I'm here by myself. Uh, Corey and my daughter are actually at Camp Asable this weekend. There's a kind of teen Bible camp retreat that they are there. And then Owen, my oldest, is actually preaching at Oakwood today. And so he and I are covering the churches today. And so, uh, and so Seth went to Oakwood with Owen and you know, Luke is three and I'm old. I don't really know where he is or what he's doing. So <laughs> we'll just do our best to keep him along. But um, the sermon today comes from, in, in uh, my Sabbath school class that I attend at Oakwood, we've been studying the book of Matthew. And actually, we've been studying the book of Matthew probably going on, I think, six or seven years. So we're actually to chapter 23 in Matthew now. Um, so we tend to meander quite a bit as we're working our way through, through Matthew. And where we are in Matthew right now is we are studying the seven woes. So there's, a, there's a passages in Matthew 23 that talk about the seven woes that, that Jesus um, talks about with the Pharisees. And one of them is found in Matthew 23, verses 15. It says, Woe to you, teachers uh, of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You travel over land and sea to win a single convert. And when, you become, when he becomes one, you make him twice as much a son of hell as you are. Right? So this conversation in Sabbath school class has really revolved around, you know, what it means to make a convert, right? What it means to evangelize, what it means to spread the word of God. And in doing that, one other parable that we've discussed to kind of work through that concept is the parable of the sower that's found in Matthew 13, which is really where we're going to focus on today. So if you would turn with me to Matthew 13, beginning in verse... Matthew 13, verse 3. And it says there, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on the good soil, where it produced a crop, some a hundred, some sixty, and some thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. As a teacher, I love these parables, right? I love the parables of Jesus, right? Because they really tend to be very thought-provoking, right? And typically, the parables of Jesus don't don't really have an answer, right? He typically says a parable, and it's up to the reader, it's up to the listener, right, to really contemplate and think about what is the parable telling, trying to tell me. But this parable actually is a, is, a special, is a special parable. It's one that actually has an interpretation in the Bible, right? This parable uh, and the parable of the wheat and the tares, right, are actually ones that, that the disciples come back to Jesus and say, hey, Master, please tell us about that, right, that we don't understand. What are you trying to say? 
And so the, the interpretation of the parable of the sower is actually found in verse 18. So if you flip over to verse 18 of chapter thir- 13, it says, Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches it away, what was sown in his heart. This is the seed that was sown on the path. And the one who receives the seed that fell on the rocky place is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the world, he quickly falls away. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of his life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who receives the seed that fell on the good soil is the man who hears the word, understands it, and he produces a crop, yielding a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. So this is a very interesting parable, right? You've got, you've got four different types of soil. You've got the path soil, we have the rocky soil, we have the soil with thorns, and we have the good soil, right? And initially, the, the meaning of this parable is pretty straightforward, right? Pretty easy to understand. I mean, it looks like you got four different kinds of people, right? You got your path people, you got your rocky people, you got your thorny people, and you got your good soil people, right? Your path people are people who have hardened their hearts, right? They've hardened their hearts and their minds, and they let the, and so the word, the seed, the word that is, that is set on them is just snatched straight away. And you've got your rocky ground people, right? These are people who, there's a very superficial, a very shallow kind of soil, right? And this superficial relationship with God makes it so that the plant can't get root and the sun scorches it and the plant never gets to the point where it bears fruit. And you've got your, your thorny people, right? The, 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 the people who let the cares of the world, right? All the distractions, the influences of life distract them and it chokes out the plant, chokes out the word, chokes out the seed. And then finally, you've got your good soil people, right? People who have maintained this fertile relationship with God. And now the seed can be planted and it can blossom and it can bloom and it can produce fruit, right? And, and we see, you know, in the, in, the, in the interpretation, in the parable, you know, the seed is it's talked about as a message. It's talked about as a word, as the word, right? And you all know, if, we, if you look at John 1.14, right, that it's, a, it's a very common verse in John 1.14 that says, And the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth, right? So the word is the manifestation of Jesus Christ, the ministry of Jesus Christ, that that Jesus Christ represents the grace and the truth that God has given to all of us, right? So pretty straightforward, pretty pretty easy to understand. But I got to tell you, this parable's got two things that really bug me. One is, why is the yield different? Why do some soil produce 100? Why does some soil produce 60? And why does some soil produce 30? If it's the seed, if it's the word, if it's the grace of God, why doesn't it produce the same for everybody? 
That bugs me. The second thing that bugs me is this farmer seems pretty careless to me, right? So I've watched my dad plant a lot of seed over my 40-plus years of life. And I've never seen him just throwing seed around so that it goes wherever. He's fair, he is very deliberate about where he places seed, that he places seed in a place where it accomplishes the task, so that corn seed becomes corn, right? So that green beans become green beans. It is put with care in a very special type of place, the right type of soil so that it produces. But this farmer, this sower, doesn't seem to care at all. It's the seeds on the path, the seeds in the rocks, the seeds in the thorns, the seeds in the good soil, the seed seems to be everywhere. So let's take a little bit of time and dig into those two, what for me are dilemmas. Let's start with the first one that I talked about is why the different yields, right? Why the different yields? This is puzzling. And it really bothered me until during this Sabbath school class that I was talking about earlier, as part of that discussion, one of the individuals in the class suggested that the sea, that the soil is not different kinds of people like I just explained to you, right? And different kinds of people in the sense of, hey, there's some people out there who have hardened their hearts. There's some people out there who let life distract them. There are some people out there whose relationship is superficial and shallow. And there are people out there who are really ready to receive the word, right? Instead, what this person proposed is that the soil describes one individual. That there are times in one individual's life, and we'll make it personal today. I'll make it personal. I'll say me, right? There are times in my life where me as the individual is the path, where me as the individual is the rocky soil, where I am the thorns, and I am good soil. And now if I take this away from being, hey, I'm trying to be that kind of person, I'm trying to be that kind of person, I'm trying to be that kind of person. Instead, when I internalize and say, these soils, these, these, this, is, this is a representation of my spiritual journey with Christ, then this really has a new kind of meaning for me, right? It really has a personal kind of meaning um, that, I, that I think is more powerful. Instead of the soil just being different kinds of people, let's look at the soil as being us. There are some times in my life when I'm the path, when I have hardened my heart, right? There, there are many um, verses found in Exodus, the, the, the story of the Exodus where Moses is going and he's, and he's talking to Pharaoh, and it says several times there that Pharaoh hardens his heart, right? That he can see that God's working in his life, or in the life of the Israelites, he can see that these plagues and everything that's happening is the manifestation of God, but he hardens his heart, right? There are times in my life where I harden my heart so that receiving Jesus can't be accomplished, and the evil one comes and just snatches that seed, that grace away. And there are times in my life when I'm rocky ground, that I, I, I see the seed, I see the grace of God, and I rejoice in that, but I'm in a place in my life where I haven't been cultivating good soil, right? I'm shallow. My relationship is shallow. I'm not, I'm not spending the time I need to spend with God. And I end up with this very shallow place for the, the grace of God to be planted. And it ends up with a plant that can't bear fruit. It can't, it can't become the fruit that it wants to become. And there are times in my life when I'm rocky soil. When I let, and I think this is the place where I am more often than not, 
right? Where I let the distractions of the world really take me away from what God's grace is trying to do for me, right? Where I let work, where I let family, where I let um, despair, right? Sickness, all of these things choke out the grace that God is, has planted in me and keeps that grace from becoming the fruit. And there are some times when I'm the good soil and the grace that God has given to me cultivates in me, grows in me, and produces more seed. It produces more grace because that really is the point of grace. The point of grace is not to receive it from God and then to hang on to it and make it yours. The point of grace is to, is to take that grace and pass it along, right? That's another thing that we see uh, represented in, a, in, the Exodus so, in, in the Exodus story, right? When God's grace in the form of manna comes down to the Israelites, they're to take that grace and use it. But what happens when they try to store up that grace and hoard that manna? What happens to that manna? It rots, right? It becomes stinky, right? When we hold on to the grace that God has given to us and we don't let it bear the fruit that it needs to bear, that grace rots. And there are times when I'm equipped to pass along more grace than others. There are times when I can produce a hundredfold and I can produce 60-fold and sometimes I can only produce tenfold. And, and, but that's the beauty of looking at these soils as the individual, right? Now I can see myself in all of these places. So this brings us to the second problem, which is why is God, the sower, throwing this, this seed around and not really cultivating it right in the right spot? But again, I think when we see the seed as grace, we get a picture of that, right? We get a picture that grace isn't just for good, the good soil people, right? Grace isn't just for me when I'm in a place where, I, where that grace is going to bud and flourish and become more grace. Grace is for me all the time, every time, no matter if I'm the path, no matter if I'm the rocky soil, no matter if I'm the thorns, no matter if I'm the good soil, grace is for me all the time. And that, I think, is really reflected in our scripture from today, let's turn to that in Isaiah 55. In Isaiah 55, before our scripture verse today, let's go back actually a couple of, of verses. This is quickly becoming one of my favorite Bible verses, Isaiah 55, verse 8. In Isaiah 55, verse 8, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. What this says to me is, what God does, I am really incapable of understanding fully. Not that I can't have glimpses, right? Not that I shouldn't be seeking more understanding, right? But in the end, God is God. And his ways are so far from our ways. As far as the stars are away, this is how far God's ways are from our ways. How unknown that they are to us. And so when God passes out his grace, right, God's grace is accomplishing what it's supposed to accomplish. I mean, and this is what we see in the next verses, our scripture reading for the, for, from today. As the rain and the snow come down from heaven 
and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields what? It yields seed, right? For the sower and bread for the eater. So my word, right? So this is, this is almost right out of the parable, right? This is seed, which is the word, right? Making, uh, let's go back to 10. And the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater. So my word goes out from my mouth and it will not return to me what? Void, empty. It goes out and it does what it's supposed to do, right? It will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for what, I, for what I sent it. There's purpose behind the seed being on the path. There's purpose behind the seed being in the rocky soil, the seed being in the thorns, the seed being in the good soil. There is purpose behind that. Everything. Can I, will I ever really understand why God put, his, put the seed down on the path? God's ways are not my ways, right? And that, that can be, that can be troubling, or that can be, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, freedom. Freedom, right? Because when I struggle to understand why God does what he does, and why things happen the way they happen, I would say in the human experience that tends to lead to despair. But when I know that God is working, and that he's working to accomplish his goal, and I know that that goal is grace and love and mercy and forgiveness, then I don't need to understand why God does, why God does what he does, right? And I think this goes back to, just, just to quickly go back to where we started with this woe, right? The Pharisees, the woe to the Pharisees is that when they make a convert, they're making a convert that they say, here are all the right answers, right? Here's exactly all the right answers. We know how God works. God works like this, 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 and this. And when this, this, this happened, that means you're not aligned with God. And when this, this, and this happened, that means you are aligned with God. So we understand God completely. We know exactly what God's doing. And if you do what we do, then, then you'll be understanding God too. And what is the woe there? Woe to you. You've made twice a son of hell as than what you are, right? God is God. Let's let God be God. Let's let God's grace work in us no matter where we are, whether we're hardened, whether, we're, whether we have superficial relationship, whether we're letting life distract us, or whether we're in a place at that moment where we can bear 100 or 60 or 30. Let's let God's grace work in our lives. In conclusion, I want you to rejoice in the assurance that God's grace is working on you. No matter where you are, God's grace is working in your life right now. Remind yourself that bearing fruit looks different for everybody. Don't, compare, don't be comparing yourself to other people. Some bear 100, some bear 60, some bear 30. And that's God's work in their life. So don't compare yourself to other people and, and, and say, oh, I wish God's grace was working in my life just like it's working in, in Jim's life or just like it's working in Brian's life, right? Let God work in your life and rejoice in the fact that you're bearing fruit. And finally, I challenge you to take God's grace, that free grace, and pass it along to others at every opportunity that you get, every opportunity that God presents to you.
Thank you. Bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much again for the opportunity to come before you and humble ourselves. We thank you for your grace, our grace that really, the grace that's really ununderstandable by us. It's amazing that you've passed this free gift out to us, no matter where we are, no matter what our struggles, no matter how good or how bad we think we are. Thank you for that, Lord. And thank you for the opportunity to take that grace and at, and at points in our lives, pass that grace out to others so that it can accomplish its full purpose. We ask that you be with us throughout the rest of this Sabbath day and throughout the rest of this week. And as, as we said in the children's story, help us to look for those opportunities to pass grace along. In your name we pray. Amen.